0: We are starting the third week of our Romans reading plan, day 11, with our men's ministry pastor, Brad White. Brad, welcome. Yeah. Super excited to be here. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad to hear what you have to say. You uh, chose Romans 6 which, uh, holds a really, really great verse. Uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about, we're going to do things a little bit differently today. We're going to maybe have a little more conversation, a little more dialogue. I'm going to read a little bit of the scripture. Uh, Brad's going to break it down. Uh, but before we get there, Brad, why don't you talk to us about your family? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah. So I have a wife, Holly, and she's awesome. You will see her and think, how did that happen? I wonder that every single day. Uh, She's a real, real gift to me. She teaches at Providence Christian Academy. And then we have two kids, Cade, um, who is nine, just a great high energy kid, uh, great communicator, uh, love having conversations with him. He's a little mini adult. And then uh, Abby Kate, who's our little girl, she's five. She is uh, just full of life, a lot of energy. And uh, she's got me wrapped around her finger for sure.
0: Uh, so here, here we are. We're going to uh, read Romans six verses fifteen through twenty three. Uh, the title is "Slaves to Righteousness." So here we are. Verse fifteen: What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. In 19, it goes on saying, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever increasing wickedness, So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. And here's verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a passage and a half.
1: Yeah, so good, man. So really just some insight on the first verse few verses from 15 to 22, uh, Paul appears to be speaking to a group of people who have already put their faith and trust in Christ. And he's kind of just telling them, hey, you're either a slave to righteousness or you're a slave to sin. And it's it's interesting because we would, I think the most of us would, would go slave. That sounds bad. I don't, I don't want to be a slave. But Paul's telling us that we are a slave. We're either a slave to the things of God or we're a slave to the things of this world. And then verse 23 happens and he's kind of reminding them of how they came into this relationship with Christ. And this verse for me is probably one of the most significant verses in the Bible. I really believe that it sums up the gospel in one verse. And so I'd love to just have a conversation about using this verse to share our faith. And how do we have those conversations? Because if I'm being honest with you, Robert, like the idea of sharing my faith with somebody, it can be really intimidating because there's a fear. What if the person knows more than me? What if the person questions what I have to say? What if the person thinks I'm crazy? But then I'm reminded that when I share my faith, the person is not rejecting me they would be rejecting Christ. And I'm not called to convert them. I'm simply called to share my faith. We see that in scripture. You know, I've heard heard people say this, like, man, that person's on fire for God, right? And we, we hear that and we're like, man, that means that person's being bold and they're radical with their faith. But if we think about, if I were to actually pour some gasoline on you right now, which I'm not gonna do, please by no, the way, I'm not, I'm not please going don't. to, but if I did and then I lit a match, there would be nothing within you that would say, man, I wanna just play this thing cool as I'm on fire <laughs> right now. No, you would be frantically rolling around on the ground doing everything that you could to put the fire out, right? Nothing within you would worry about what others thought. And so that slogan or that phrase kind of reminds us that, man, this is how we should be as we share our faith with God, about God, that we should be bold in it and that we shouldn't be concerned with what others think because it matters beyond this life. What we do in this life echoes into eternity. And so sharing the, the gospel with others Will echo into eternity, and we can impact someone's eternity because of our willingness to uh, to step into some fear. Can you relate to that at all? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I, I think that you know when I hear you say these things, I I think that like it's really an inappropriate lens. You know, we let our fear, our shame, kind of keep us from from uh, entering in dialogue with with uh, um, uh, with others, with with loss, with family members, whatever the case might be. But but when you think about like the lens, if you're looking through, an, the, you know, an eternal lens, a uh, lens of things that actually matter, and maybe, you know, uh, you're letting the Holy Spirit guide you, that fear and shame doesn't seem that um, great compared to, you know, the uh, potential loss, you know, yeah. uh, of uh, not sharing that that faith. So.
1: For sure. Uh, you know, I've, I was kind of processing through this and just jotted down some notes. How do we share the gospel without being weird? That's that's kind of my what I want to put out today so that people can process. And I think the first step in that is that, number one, we would trust the Spirit, that we would trust the Spirit's timing, we would trust the place that the Spirit has brought us to, and we would trust the relationship that the Spirit has gathered us. So one of our values, one of the things that you hear us say here at New Vision is who is close to you, but far from God. So maybe this is that relationship that you're spending time with someone that doesn't have a relationship with God, and God has placed this person in your life, and this is the right relationship. And then the right time and place has has come up. Maybe you're uh, at lunch with this person or at breakfast with them, or maybe just spending some time in your home chatting. Now, the big thing is transitioning the conversation from what we would call a secular conversation into a sacred one. So something that really connects to to what's next? What is there beyond this life? Maybe for some of you in the news in the past little bit, we've heard about the passing of Kobe Bryant. And there's been a lot of people who have started to question, you know, why? Why does death feel so Discouraging. Why is death so hard to process? Why does it come as such a shock? And I believe it's because we're not meant for death. We're meant to spend life somewhere eternally. And so something like this, an event like this, could really shape this conversation and could be a great tool to transition from a secular conversation into a
0: sacred one. Absolutely. When when that news broke, you know, uh, it was I my phone lit up of just people like. That I they, people know that I love Kobe Bryant, um, I admired his his drive and and his skill. Um, but I I mean I my phone blew up with just people texting, hey, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? And and my first reaction was, text, 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 text. You know, I, I think that there is something uh, about passing. You know, whether it's family member or celebrity, whatever the case might be, it certainly opens up conversations. It's a natural thing. So that's a great point, a great thought.
1: Yeah, and I think the next point number three really ties back to point number one, the right relationship. So as you and I are having a conversation about a Kobe Bryant type situation, then I might lean into step number three by asking you, what do you think happens when we die? And so by doing that, I'm telling you, hey, I I trust your opinion. I value what you have to say. And we really want to be listening for what the person is kind of expecting. What's next for them? Are they trusting in good works? Are they unsure. Are they open to other ideas? And so I think that trusted relationship really matters, but you have to give them the opportunity to speak because what always happens, what's always happened with me anyway, is the person will say, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I think that that's really a good point. You know, when when I'm hearing you you uh, talk about that conversation, my immediate fear as we talk about is like, it goes to this place of where like, you know, I'm coming at this, uh, at this conversation is like some kind of with some kind of like uh self-righteous approach you know what i mean like what do you think happens i think you know the posture of a vulnerability and in and in matters you know uh, and, and when you are talking about death or of a loved one or whomever you know that's certainly a, a vulnerable and a very sad thing so uh I, you know handling those conversations is important in your approach you know because i mean uh the gospel is this truth it is this good news. It points us to this eternity, this hope that is Jesus and his certainty. And uh, you know, I, I think that's interesting the way you know you approach um, uh, that conversation is one that's vulnerable versus um, and, and letting them uh, express their view, their thoughts. That's a good, good uh, point. Thank you.
1: Yeah, and so number four, point four is really just listening with humility ah. that I'm not. Jumping asking, ahead. Sorry. right? No, <laughs> I, I love it. You spoke right into it. It, it feels natural, right? It feels natural that we would listen with humility. That we want to really listen for understanding, for clarity, and we want to hear the person's heart because we realize that eternity is standing in the balance. So it's an important conversation. So that's mm, number four. Yeah, that's good. Point number five is really just sharing your story. And so sharing your story looks like this. It's what did my life look like before Christ? When did I have an interaction with Christ? When did I accept the good news of the gospel? And then how has my life looked differently because of that decision that I made? And this goes back to really mitigating those fears that people have where they say, gosh, what if someone asks me something I don't know about the Bible? What if someone starts to question how creation came Mm -hmm. about and I don't have the answer? Here's what no one can question, Robert, is your story, how your life looks differently because of the gospel, because of the relationship that you've come into with Christ. And so we should really take heart in that and know that no one can argue with that. They can only listen and accept what you have to say because it's, it's your story. So what I found is that as I'm able to share my story and really speak into how God has changed my life, it will then give me an opportunity to ask a follow-up question. And the follow-up question is this, if you had the chance today to stand before the presence of God and he said to you, Robert, why should I let you into heaven? How would you respond? I think I know how you'd respond, yeah, but
0: right, I would. I would respond the work of Jesus Christ, right, um, hundred uh, percent. So that brings us to Romans six twenty three. This is this powerful voice, powerful verse. Break it down for us. Let us. Let us. You know, you 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 uh, uh, talk about it being in two segments. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier. Uh, share this. This is beautiful. This is good.
1: Yeah, for sure. So what I'm gauging in the response from people is what are they trusting in for their eternity when they're giving this response to Christ and saying, this is why I believe I should stand in your presence. Are they trusting in things that they've done? Are they unsure? Do they need clarity? And this provides us an opportunity to really break down Romans 6.23. So I would challenge you guys that are listening with us, if you got a piece of paper, go ahead and pull it out. And on the far left, side of the paper, just draw a big number seven It's to represent kind of a hillside. And then just to the right side of the paper, create a little space. And on the left side, draw a backwards seven. And this will indicate kind of two areas, two mountaintops with kind of a chasm in between. And really what this is to symbolize is man is on the far left. So you can draw a little stick figure man on the top of your seven. And on the other side, I I usually like to draw some type of cloud to represent God because I'm not really sure what God looks like. So a nice cloud feels
0: feels appropriate why not
1: yeah so we go with that so uh at the top of your paper you can write down verse 23 so it says this for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through christ jesus our lord so as we look at this verse as we break it down the first question that i love to ask people are what are wages to you So a wage, of course, is something that we earn. It's something we deserve. We work hard for our money at the end of a monthly period or a biweekly period. We're given a paycheck. We earn what we get. So uh, instead of using that word wage, we could kind of underline that and write the word earnings underneath that. Now, the next word that comes up that's a significant word is the word sin. Sin. We know that sin is something that separates us from God, and so we could write that word sin in between our two uh, areas of, of mountains or hills, and in that chasm write the word sin. So sin is what separates us from God, and sin is actually an archery term, and. When we shoot archery, we're shooting at the bullseye, and if we miss the bullseye, we hit anywhere else besides the bullseye, that shot is considered sin. So even if you do a a pretty good shot and you are just right on the outside of that bullseye, it's sin. Or if you sky it over the target, it's still sin. They have both missed the mark. So the next word that comes up that's significant is the word death. And of course, we know, Robert, that death is talking about physical death, but this is talking beyond that. It's talking about eternal separation from God, experiencing eternity absent from him. So, so far, this verse sounds pretty terrible, right? So it's saying we, for missing the mark of not being perfect, we're going to experience eternal separation from God. Then there's this really cool comma in the word but, which changes everything. It's just like in the English language, if I were to say to you, Robert, hey, Robert, I've got a million dollars for you, but I lost the million dollars. That means, well, you're not getting the million dollars. So something's changing, and it's a good change for us. It says this, but the gift, think about the word gift. A gift stands in contrast to the word wage. A gift is something that is given to you by someone that loves you, that wants you to have something. Somebody wants you to have something, they want you to receive it because they care about you. A wage you've earned, a gift is given because someone loves you. The giver of the gift is God. We see that here. And the gift of God is eternal life. And this idea of eternal life stands in contrast to death in the first part of the verse. So death, we know, is eternal separation from God. Eternal life is eternal life with God. So we would call this heaven. But then it says this, that it comes through... Christ Jesus. This word through is a difficult one to define and the way that I like to explain it is if I was going to go to Florida, I would have to go through Alabama. Alabama is the path, it is the process, it is the way that I access Florida. And so for us to access this gift of God, we have to go through Jesus Christ. And so what that means for us, we can think back to John 3:16, the verse that I think most people know. Right? John yeah. 3
0: 16. What is it, Robert? For God so loved the world he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life.
1: So by believing and receiving in what Christ has done, we have an opportunity to experience the gift of eternal life. And so I kind of like to just break this verse down and write these words out and explain it to people that I'm speaking with so that they can really see the contrast that exists and that they have an opportunity, not because of what they've done, not because of what they've earned, not because of what they deserved, but because someone loves them so much, they have an opportunity to experience the presence of God for the rest of eternity.
0: Man, that is great, great, great stuff. And and a simple way to break down a beautiful verse uh, that really paints a picture of both death and life um uh thank you so much for your time today yeah absolutely uh you did a great job uh we're going to hear from you again i guess later on in the in the reading plan uh so grateful for that next tomorrow we start day 12. Uh, we're gonna have children's pastor josh rayanga excited to sit down with him excited to meet with you guys tomorrow